2: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, June 9th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor responds to protests and the, their cause for change. And state officials caution residents not to drop their guard in the fight against the coronavirus. Then a Mississippian living abroad shares her pandemic experience from South Korea. Plus a new nonprofit is launching to further assist small businesses in the state. The death of George Floyd at the knee of a Minneapolis police officer is raising cries for police reform and an end to systemic racism in America. In Mississippi, thousands descended upon the capital city and passed the governor's mansion over the weekend with hopes their voices would be heard. Unique to Mississippians fighting for change, the state flag, long a source of consternation as seen by some as a means to cling to the checkered legacy of Jim Crow, the flag is once again at the heart of Mississippi's drawn-out and often hushed conversation about reconciliation and racial equality. With the calls for systemic change echoing throughout the state, Republican Governor Tate Reeves says his position on the flag has not.
1: My position has not changed. Uh, I spent much of 2019 telling uh, the people of this state um, what I believed, and that is uh, there is going to come a time... Um, at some point I'm sure in which the people of Mississippi are going to want to change the flag and my position is that when they want to do that uh, it should be the people who make that decision not some backroom deal by a bunch of politicians in Jackson and while I I know that um, the last few weeks has certainly uh, increased conversations around that and many other topics Um, and justifiably so, Uh, I believe one of the problems we have in America right now is that people don't trust their politicians. One of the reasons they don't trust their politicians is because politicians tell people one thing during an election year, and then they go out and do something else the very next year once they get elected. I'm not going to do that.
2: During the question portion of his daily press briefing yesterday, Reeves was asked by reporters to go beyond process rhetoric. On multiple occasions, the governor sidestepped questions about his personal views of the flag and its representation of Mississippi and its people, instead invoking a 2001 ballot referendum.
1: The people of Mississippi in 2001 went to the polls and made a decision to keep the current flag. That was a decision that the people of Mississippi made. Now, had they not done that, then perhaps we could be having a different conversation. But the reality is that is the vote that occurred in 2001. Every single Mississippian has the right to gather the signatures to put that back on the ballot. Every single Mississippian has the right to do that. Should they choose to do so, then we'll have a conversation about that. Um, And it will be, again, when, when the people believe it's time to change the flag is when the flag will be changed. I was actually asking about your
2: opinion. I'm not asking about the process. I'm just asking what your personal opinion is about that and whether it represents the present-day state of Mississippi properly.
1: I was elected to be the governor of the state of Mississippi. The people have made their decision in 2001, if and when they want to choose to change the flag, that will be a decision that they can make. When you look at the state flag of Mississippi personally, what do you see? I see a flag that the vast majority of Mississippians voted in 2001 to maintain as Mississippi state flag. I made a commitment to the voters in 2019 that if the flag is going to be changed, it's not going to be changed by a bunch of politicians in Jackson. It needs to be changed by the people of our state.
2: In addition to the flag, marchers are demanding comprehensive police reform, including a call to defund the police. Reeves responded strongly to that
1: demand. We are a nation of laws. We must stand up and protect those who get up and put on the uniform every single day and protect our families. So the notion that we're going to defund the police makes no sense. In fact, we ought to be talking and having a conversation about spending more money on police, more money for training, more money to ensure that that individual policeman has backup. Because many times these instances that occur are occurring because you're putting police officers in a situation in which they are, have fear because they don't have proper backup and in many instances they don't have proper training. What happened to George Floyd is inexcusable. The problem with those on the far left is they want to use what is a horrible situation that must be addressed, and they want to utilize it to try to implement every single liberal policy that they'd have ever dreamed of. Because they, quote, don't want a crisis to go to waste. What I want is for us to have a conversation with like-minded individuals and those who don't necessarily agree with us about what can we do to look to the future and make Mississippi a better place.
2: Reeves also used his time yesterday to address the continued threat of COVID-19, reminding Mississippians that the fight is not over. The State Health Department reported a new single-day high of 498 new cases on Monday. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the data indicates transmission of the disease is occurring communally.
3: If we think about what's going on with coronavirus in Mississippi right now, it's really spreading in the community. And although we have seen a lot of nursing home cases and nursing home deaths The thing that we're seeing now that's driving transmission is people out and about, younger folks, are are getting it. This is also coupled with almost like a disbelief that coronavirus is still an issue. And I I assure you and want to assure the doubters that coronavirus is still a real threat in Mississippi, not only because it's percolating and can can increase at any time, but we, we are seeing deaths. We are seeing the impacts in our communities when it penetrates into those who are older and are more vulnerable.
2: Mississippi currently has 17,768 cases of COVID-19 with 837 related deaths. Coming up, a Mississippian living abroad shares her pandemic experience from South Korea. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In 2019, Jonna Higby left the United States and her position at a Jackson metro area high school to teach abroad. After some consideration, she chose South Korea as her temporary home, citing an interest in the culture as a deciding factor. Now in the fog of unanswered questions generated by the coronavirus pandemic, the choice is feeling more permanent. Higby joins us to discuss life abroad in the time of COVID.
4: I decided several years ago that eventually I wanted to teach abroad somewhere doing something just to have the experience of living abroad and, um, you know, seeing other parts of the world and immersing yourself in the culture. So I just decided that this year would be the year. Um,
2: <laughs>
4: timing uh, is everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I decided to move and it, it was not, a permanent decision when I moved. Uh, it was kind of a, I'll go for this year and see what happens. If I like it, I'll stay. You know, if I don't, I can always move home. So it wasn't permanent at first, but now it's seeming a little bit more long term.
2: How did you end up with South Korea as your choice?
4: Um, Actually, I've been kind of interested in the culture for a few years. I started listening to... Um, watching some Korean TV shows and Korean movies. So I kind of had some interest in the culture already. So when I started looking into countries that I wanted to teach in, it was definitely already at the top of the list. And it had some of the best um, cost versus benefit kind of things when I was, you know, weighing pros and cons. So we landed on Korea.
2: Now, from what I understand, and this is rather coincidental, South Korea and the United States reported their first case on the same day. What has been the situation since that first case was reported? Can you take us through measures that were taken in South Korea?
4: Sure. The biggest thing that happened here in South Korea was that there was immediate kind of blanket testing. If you Uh, could confirm that you were in contact with someone who was confirmed as a case, then you could immediately get tested for free. Um, And if you could not confirm that you were in direct contact with a case, then you could still get tested, but you have to pay like with your insurance or, you know, whatever. Um, So that was really the biggest thing was like when cases started popping up here, we were getting um, emergency alerts on our phones. Like if you were in this area, you should, you know, make sure that no one you were in contact with was, has been infected and you can, you know, make sure you visit your medical center and get tested and all of that. So I think the immediate sort of like, everyone needs to be careful. Everyone needs to be wearing masks. There was all over the news They put posters up everywhere. They were making announcements, public announcements, you know, like in public transportation areas about always wear your mask, always wash your hands. If you have any symptoms, go to your medical center immediately and get tested. So I think that has really been the major difference that I've noticed from the U.S.
2: What are your own personal circumstances? Have you been exposed to someone who tested positive? Have you been tested yourself?
4: I have not been in direct contact with anyone um, that was confirmed, but I have been tested because I went to a province, not the city where there was an outbreak, but I went to the province. And so um, the schools where I work, they, uh, schools, especially because we work with children, they're overly cautious. So they said, you've been anywhere in that province, you should just go get a test just to be sure. So I was tested.
2: In South Korea as a whole, What is the situation with number of cases? Has it declined? Have you gotten over the curve, so to speak?
4: Oh, yes, for sure. We started school back, um, well, it's been uh, kind of staggered with, you know, how the size of the school and the size of the cities. So smaller places started back three weeks ago, I think. And uh, um, if I'm correct, the big schools in bigger cities are starting back this weekend, next week-ish. So that's only allowed because the number of daily new cases had to be less than 10 um, for a week straight, I think. And that's when they allowed us to start going back to school.
2: What is the school year in South Korea?
4: School year is from um, March is the start of their school year. And then we have a summer break in August. And then we have until the end of December. And that's the end of their school year.
2: What is your reaction to the coronavirus in the United States? Does it make you fearful to come back at any uh, given time or a short period of time?
4: Yeah, I don't plan to come back anytime soon because I don't think the U.S. is going to be able to conquer this virus for. A long while. Um, so I definitely, unfortunately, will not be coming back to the US for a long time just because it, South Korea has put restrictions. If you leave the country um, and come back, then you have to quarantine for two weeks. And obviously, that affects my job here. And um, we also, anyone who's here on a visa, on a working visa, you have to apply for re-entry um, ahead of time. So it, it's not really like you can travel out of the country kind of just because you want a vacation right now. So it would yeah. have to be a good reason.
2: You can continue your teaching. That job is, is secure? Yes. Is there a reaction from South Koreans in regard to the United States and response and how the coronavirus is playing out?
4: Um, to be honest, I haven't talked to too many Koreans about their opinions about what's happening there in the U.S., but I, I, the genuine consensus here is that the situation is not so good. Um, I really, the the only conversation I've had about that would be um, my coworkers asking me, like, how's my hometown doing? Is my family okay? And um, so I think they definitely are aware that the situation is much worse in the U.S. right now than it was Uh, here
2: some medical leaders in the united states say that the coronavirus here will come back in the fall and perhaps stronger than even this one over the winter and spring months was is there anything like that in south korea anything projected for the future
4: um i do think there's been a lot of uh people predicting a second wave here as well um Uh, The first weekend of May, uh, there was a kind of a long weekend holiday here, and it coincided with the government lifting some of the social distancing protocols um, to be just a little less strict. Uh, So obviously, a lot of people traveled on that weekend, and there was a small outbreak in Seoul. I I can't say that that was our second wave, but I'm not sure about if, if other experts are kind of counting that as our second wave or not.
2: We've been speaking with Jonna Higby, who is in South Korea, sort of hunkering down, although back to normal. Uh, And we wish you the very best. And I hope you get to come back to the United States sometime (laughs) in the near future. (laughs) And thank you. you, Thank you so much for talking with us this morning. Yeah, no problem. Coming up, a new nonprofit is launching to further assist small businesses in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Lifelong Mississippians Marie and Brian Sanderson are kicking off efforts to provide immediate financial assistance to Mississippi-based small businesses as they face the dire economic consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. The nonprofit Mississippi 30-Day Fund is designed to be quick, easy, and free of red tape as small business owners work to keep employees on board and operations running in the near term. Marie, who grew up in Jackson, and Brian, who is a native of live in Ocean Springs. They tell us they were inspired by the success of 30-Day Fund started by colleagues in other states and wanted to bring a similar initiative to Mississippi.
0: Well, the Mississippi 30-Day Fund um, is created um, off of um, the Virginia 30-Day Fund, um, which began several weeks ago um, as an effort to allow the private sector to help um, small businesses recover. And my husband and I um, saw the efforts um, uh, by Pete and Burson Snyder, who created the Virginia Fund, and wanted to bring it home to Mississippi. Um, and so, in short, it's a 501c3 where the donations that are made are tax-deductible. Um, but we have a, a process set up to evaluate applications and give up to $3,000 in forgivable loans for businesses that have three to 30 employees. That's how we define um, a small business. Um, and so we launched today, and we're really excited about that.
2: Brian, this is, a, as Marie said, a nonprofit. So you are seeking contributions from private citizens to help fund this?
3: That's right, yes. Private citizens, um, uh, foundations, corporations, uh, anyone that has the ability to give, whether they live in Mississippi. Or elsewhere, uh, it's a 501c3 charitable organization. So, uh, you know, if, if, if they want to receive a charitable deduction, um, you know, that, that would be that would certainly be acceptable with us.
2: How many loans are you prepared to provide to businesses, small businesses around the state?
0: Well, we intend to loan out everything we bring in. There's no management fee for this effort. Uh, everyone who's helping us are volunteers. Um, I should note that Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the law school at Ole Miss and the business school at Mississippi State have provided um, uh, graduate students to help us with the loan evaluation process. And then those of us on the board who are working on this are volunteering our time as well. So the an- short answer is we will give out as many loans as we're able to raise funding um, for those loans.
2: Brian, is, is the $3,000 amount Does that amount go to everyone, and does it have to be used in a particular way?
3: Right. So it's up to $3,000, you know, depending on how much assistance uh, the the applicant is requesting. And we ask in the application uh, process, you know, what they intend to use those funds for. Uh, We we do not, uh, you know, have an audit process on the back end that they have to show us what they use the funds for. Um, You know, things like rent, keeping the lights on, uh, continuing to pay employees, uh, marketing, all of those would be uh, acceptable uh, uses for the funds and needs that they may express.
2: Can businesses use the money, if they're open now and they're back in business, can they use the money for past debt, the rent that they owed when they were closed, or those expenses?
0: Sure. I mean, we ask them, it's a pretty detailed process, Karen, um, where they must demonstrate their Mississippi business have been open for a year. We ask for their driver's license, their EIN. So for people who are listening who want to donate, it's a very accountable process. But then we allow them to do what government can't do is tell them a little bit, tell us a little bit about themselves. We ask them to submit a video about who they are and what they do and how these funds can help them. Um, and so there's a little bit of subjectivity that's involved, um, But but we are going to look To make sure that this business was impacted by COVID, um, was a strong business before COVID, um, and intends to be a strong business after um, they receive our funds to help them um, get through this period.
2: How long will the application period be open?
0: Um, We intend to be open about eight to ten weeks. Um, There are very worthy federal and state programs uh, that are going to be available, um, and we see ourselves as a 30-day fund. 30 days stands for about a month, which is Um, What we think our money, um, $3,000 maximum loan can help sustain a small business. Uh, And so we're not trying to be save everybody and we're certainly not going to be able to sustain a business long term. But for 30 days during this crisis period, um, this is a way for us to pay it forward and help those businesses that are trying to get their feet on the ground. Um, And then, you know, in eight to ten weeks, the government programs will still be around. And those are worthy programs that will also be there to help.
2: You said the 30-day fund started in Virginia. Are there other states that are picking
0: up on this? Yeah, there are about six states so far um, that have launched funds. Um, We're aware of uh, Colorado and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Arkansas um, and Pennsylvania, I believe, all have funds. And probably more um, as people you know, believe there's a charitable response to this um, national crisis.
2: Brian, where can people go to find out more about how they can apply for the money?
3: So the easiest uh, way is to visit the website, uh, wwwms 3030 dayfundcom The application process is completely housed online there, as well as the ability uh, to donate online or just receive additional information.
2: Marie, is that also for those who want to contribute to the fund to go to your website?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, It's very simple um, and we're very happy to take donations online. Um, If if you'd like to mail a check, there's a contact us button and we can help um, people who wish to mail funds to us handle it accordingly as well.
2: Any final thoughts or words for our listeners?
0: I would just say that Brian and I met during Hurricane Katrina um, in the recovery efforts and and the spirit of Mississippi was shown back then. And we feel like Mississippians, the private sector, always stands up. And I think that's what makes our state different and strong. And so in this in this disaster, we're just asking Mississippians who um, may have weathered this crisis, this storm, to just give a little, um, you know, $3,000 funds of business, but any amount is appreciated um, as we help our neighbors and friends um, get through this time. Thank you so much for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate it.
2: Marie and Brian Sanderson are kicking off Mississippi 30-Day Fund. Thank you both so much.
0: Thank you, Karen.
2: Thanks, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.